Horror Riders Podcast, episode number 35. Horror Riders Podcast, a show with two horror authors discussing all things in the world of horror. I'm your host, Zach Bohan, and with me as always is author Jay Thorne. How you doing, Jay? What's up? Not much, man. Uh, you know, just, just enjoying this great fall weather, and uh, yeah, that's about it. We got a great guest with us today. Um, he is the author of a bunch of stuff, but the, the, the main thing uh, we'll be talking about today is the Dead series. Uh, zombie series, and I'm talking about T.W. Brown. How you doing, T.W.? Doing just fine this morning. How you doing? I'm good. You want to introduce your friend there to our audience as well? This would be Lisa. She is a 18-year-old African gray cockatoo, or parrot, whatever you want to you know, go with. But she is a... Uh, she, she, her owner owned her for 18 years, got a girlfriend... The bird didn't like the girlfriend, so after 18 years, he broke up with the bird. <laughs> now, now, granted, I'm in a very happy marriage. I've been together with my wife, my current wife, for coming up on 14 years. But uh, before that, I had three ex-wives and a lot of ex-girlfriends. Anything that lasts 18 years in my life is staying, and the new thing is going to have to go. So I don't know what that guy's problem was, but, uh, yeah, she... she Plucked herself clean on her uh, on the shoulders of her wings and down on her legs, and that's all growing back now. And it took us a while, but we have a really good relationship. She, uh, you know, comes in. She talks to me in the morning, and uh, if I'm not paying enough attention, she screams really loud and lets me know that she's being ignored. So she's got the whole woman thing down pat. Um, you know, she wants her attention, and if she doesn't get it, she makes herself known. I've always said beaks over bros. That's what I've always said. <laughs> so yeah, she's a she's a good one. She uh, she she picks up things on the fly, so you never know what you're gonna say that she's gonna hear. We have three dogs in our house: two border collies and a Newfoundland. And her newest thing that she picked up is a series of commands. She'll say, "Come here, come here, get the ball, get the ball." Good girl. So yeah, she's. That's her new thing, and the dogs, you know, they look up at her and try to figure out what's going on. And she, but she, she talks to them. And uh, our other African gray, because my wife has one, which was actually supposed to be my Christmas present last year, uh, which is kind of how Lisa came about. Um, but grays pick their person. Oh, here we go. Yeah, here's the other. So this is Ava. Nice. And so they are actually named after two characters in my book. Um, uh -huh. Ava is named after that cool Ava, and her companion and sidekick's name is Lisa. So when we brought her home, that's what we named her was Lisa. So now we have Ava and Lisa. Um, but yeah, Ava was my Christmas present and chose my wife. So, you know, it just that was the way it worked. And I'd already read up on it, so I knew that there was a possibility of something like that happening. And sure enough, she absolutely adores my wife and will not have anything to do with me. Now this one, um, this one is devious and sneaky. She tricks my wife. She'll drop her head and act like she wants attention, and then as soon as my wife reaches for her, it's all beak and claw. 
I mean, she goes <laughs> after her with a vengeance. Uh, she's bitten her a couple of times and given her some good nips. So yeah, she's she's. She, and she's she's a jealous type too, so she does not like it when my attention is diverted. Nice. Well, just ignore me throughout the conversation if I say Jay Thorn sucks because I'm just trying to teach the bird. So just just kind of ignore me as as, as I go through. That. So, yeah, so hopefully we can get the bird to say it in the next 20 minutes. So, but uh, so so TW, uh, why don't you uh, why don't you kind of you know take a second and introduce yourself to our audience? Okay. Um, I am as you. Gave on the introduction. I'm the author of the Dead series. Uh, book 12 just came out on Halloween. It is, uh, I like to tell people that is over a million words of zombie fiction if you take the series from start to finish. Damn. Uh, every one of those books clears the 100,000 word mark. Um, that was always my target goal when I wrote. Because one of the things that I, I always saw when I saw zombie books was a lot of them were kind of short, you know, in that 50 to 60, 70,000 range, just enough to qualify as a novel. Um, it's changed over the years, but back in 2009 when this indie thing was just getting launched, uh, a lot of the offerings were short. They were much shorter than, than what you're seeing from some of the guys today, like uh, you know uh, Ellie Constant, Claire Riley, you know, they have some stuff that's you know pretty meaty. But uh, I'm pretty proud of a, of a million words of zombie fiction. It I have a lot of writers that inspired me, George R. R. Martin and Stephen King being two really big ones. Martin, because he wasn't afraid to kill anybody. And anybody that's watched the Game of Thrones, especially if they watched the season finale this last year, yeah. you're like, who's left? Well, if you've read the books, you know. But, I mean, you know, the people that are watching the series and then haven't actually read it um, are, are wondering what the hell is going to happen for the next season. Uh, the thing for me is, and, and King was that way, too, the first time I read a, a scene that really stuck with me was when he ends Harold Lauder's run in the stand, when K Harold Lauder blows his brains out. And I was like, the guy just found himself again, you know? I mean, he went from being a guy that you liked and felt sorry for to a guy that you hated, and then redemption. And then as soon as he's redeemed, he blows his brains out. And you're like, oh, no. Martin did that. With Eddard Stark, of course, in the Game of Thrones, I actually backed up like ten pages and had to read it again because I couldn't. I was like, I must have missed something. I did the same <laughs> thing. There's a dream sequence or something. This is like Dallas, and Bobby's gonna step out of the shower. But I mean, I was blown away by what he did. You know, I was so impressed. And back in 2009, again, kind of referring back, if you remember the landscape of zombie fiction back then. A lot of it was just rehashing the Romero storyline. You get some people holding up in one spot, and then the bad guys come, blow open the doors, everybody dies, the end. Or it, there were some others that were kind of like the adolescent softcore porn version. I, the one that inspired me the most was this guy that's a teacher that travels across the city to get this necklace that his wife gave him as a birthday present. He gets into the high school where he worked, and fights off zombies and goes through hell and gets his necklace. And then as he's leaving the school, he hears some screaming. He goes to investigate. It's a female teacher. She was kind of hot before. He rescues her. They have sex on the desk. Dead zombies on the floor. And I'm like, are you 15? I mean, who really wrote, who wrote this? So I really believed that zombie fans aren't that stupid, you know, and they, that they deserve 
better stuff. And there was some good stuff out there. Don't get me wrong. There was a few really good offerings, but a lot of it was iffy. And I wanted to write something that was character-driven. So with the Dead series, and this is kind of where being a writer, your brain thinks it's a great idea, but it doesn't necessarily translate as well on paper. I had three rotating chapters. I had the first-person perspective, which starts off with Steve kind of giving you it through his eyes. And then I had the geeks, which are these four guys that are on the East Coast in Virginia that think the zombie thing is going to be the coolest thing in the world, and they quickly find out it sucks. Um, in between that, I had these vignettes. The whole idea for the vignettes in my brain that understood the concept was these are just going to be little bites of what's going on all over the world so that, you know, it kind of gives people some time to rest in between the Steve and the geek story. What it ended up doing was giving people a whole bunch of characters in book one, and they're like, some of them are in there for one chapter for less than a thousand words, and they're gone. So they have all these characters, and I'm like, who am I following? And they got confused. And, and I almost actually dropped the vignettes at the end of book three, but by the time I hit book three, I kind of learned a little bit about how to streamline it and it got better and more understandable and some of the vignettes actually there's a vignette that starts in book one that is one of the most popular characters Juan Hoya and it goes all the way through book twelve wow. but I, I sort of learned in the vignette section how to how to manage it better so that it wasn't as confusing and make the rotation cleaner but like I said if I could do it all over again I don't think the vignettes would have been part of the story I think I would have probably, I, I don't think I would have put them in there, because it did, like I said, my idea was snapshots of what's going on all over the world to kind of give people a breather in between the main stories. I didn't realize that what I was doing was giving them a bunch of names to jumble their head. Yeah. And so, but I did learn over the series, and actually the vignettes did get a lot more popular, and there are people who are still asking about some of the old vignettes going, are you going to go back and revisit that story? And I'm like, eh, maybe. <laughs> so, uh, and that's the general idea. And the, the series does run in three book arcs. That's where I sort of steal from Lucas. So you get the setup, the cliffhanger, resolution, but you still know there's more to come. So every three books is kind of an arc. And I try to give you resolution by book three of all the big events happening in books one and two. Book two is just all cliffhangers. You just you get to the end of book two and you're like, uh-uh, no, 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 no. There's got to be more pages, you know? Um, there are some people that will not grab the second book until the third book would come out because they knew they were going to be left hanging on an edge. And and it got it gets really bad in the, in the uh, additional second book sets because I really kind of learned a lot in those first three books on how to write and how to separate scenes and how to bring tension into something and then leave people dangling, you know, on a, on a hopeless cliff and having them go, how are they going to get out of this? Because that's what we watch a lot of our shows for. We love, even though we hate waiting for the next one, we love those cliffhanger endings where we get to kind of wonder what's going to happen. And I liked doing that. I think it works. Um, as long as you resolve it and don't just leave it forever, you know. So that's what those third books are always good for. But uh, that's kind of the foundation of the Dead series. Nice. nice.
in a long, rambling way. Yeah, I can resonate with you on uh, what you were saying about, you know, like, I hate books that and shows that are scared to kill characters. <laughs> you know, um, I know Jay and I, one of our favorite shows uh, mutually is Sons of Anarchy. And one of the things about Sons of Anarchy I love is that everyone was at risk, <laughs> you know. Um, so, so you've got me, you've got me intrigued for sure <laughs> on, on that. So, um, Jay, did you have a, did you have a question for him? Yeah, I was. Uh, we were starting to talk a little bit off camera, and I have to admit that uh, T.W. and I have been involved in a number of projects together, and we've never spoken. So this is this is kind of funny. I feel like I know him so well, yet this is the first time we're talking. Uh, I have to ask him about uh, T.W. I got to ask you about music. Uh, I got to ask you about Kiss. I got to ask you about guitars. Kind of kind of tell us uh, what music means to you. Uh. Music is always running when I write. Uh, when now, when I write the Dead series, it's a lot of instrumental stuff. I don't want a bunch of words cluttering my head or making me think about it or sing along. Now, when I write my Vakuleva stuff, I actually play an 80s soundtrack that I built for that. Um, but music for me has always been huge. Uh, and when I learned how to play guitar, I, I say that I am uh, I'm just good enough to be lousy uh, as a guitarist. Uh, I, I have been in a couple of bands. Uh, I was better as a vocalist ever than I was as a guitarist, but I could hold a good rhythm. Um, I, the first thing I ever learned how to play as far as a lead was the uh, the We Will Rock You guitar solo that comes in. That's I learned how to play that. Uh, that's the first lead I ever learned to play and perform, but the first song I ever learned was Cold Gin by Kiss. Nice. I am a huge Kiss fan. Um, my wall... You can't see it, but over here is adorned with the McFarlane figures from just, I mean, there's one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So there's 24 of them on that wall. Um, and then I, behind my desk, I have uh, a hand-drawn picture of the original four from back in their old New York 70s era, a signed Ace Freely picture over here, uh, Kiss wall plaque over in the other corner, um, even though it's the Tommy Thayer version, I do have the Ace bobblehead. Um, and then nice. I have my Ace Freely, and it's hard to see, but I have my Ace Freely tattoo from a 1976 picture of him leaning back with smoke pouring out of his guitar. The tattoo artist made it into an outer space scene with planets and stars and everything else like that. And then my dead logo, which is normally a bald head, I've got Ace Freely as a zombie. Nice. And I won't stand up and show you my legs, but on the backs of my calves, I've got the comedy tragedy masks with the uh, original four in the colors from their solo album. So uh, music is huge. Kiss is, they're the band that when I first saw them, it was after my folks split to go out one night, and the babysitter, her boyfriend shows up, and this is back in the 70s when you could actually take a minor into a bar as long as there was adult accompaniment when we weren't so worried about all that stuff, and they're like, you, you can't say anything to your parents, and I'm like, okay, and this is 1975, so I'm like 10 years old, 74 maybe, I'm 9 or 10, we go into this little teeny bar, 
it's got a big open area and there's a stage set and everything. And the band that played that night was Kiss. And I was on my babysitter's boyfriend's shoulders, like I had a cod piece with Gene Simmons for for 60 minutes. And you know there was the blood and the fire and, and I was like hooked. I, I was blown away. So I actually snuck away from my mom at a Kmart with all the money I saved up, and I bought my very first 8-track. I grabbed a hold of Kiss and snuck up to the register and bought it, and then I had to hide it in my coat and then get home and then go into my room and hide it amidst the Barry Manilow and Carol King 8-tracks that you know were house-approved. Um, and just, I've always loved them. I've probably seen them 30 or 40 times. Um, just... I don't see them now because I call them the most expensive cover band in the world now that it's now that Ace and Peter are gone. Nothing against Tommy Thayer or Eric Singer, but that's they're not they're not the originals, you know. Um, I saw the farewell tour leg, uh, followed the West Coast swing actually, and saw them three nights in a row: Vancouver, Portland, and Seattle. Actually, Tacoma, but yeah, uh, love the band. Um, and music is huge for me. Like I said, I don't play as much as I used to, but I have Rock Smith, not Rock Band, because that's just playing with a controller and that's not playing guitar no matter what my daughter says. But um, Rock Smith, I can actually plug in and play guitar along on the Xbox with, you know, the Stones or, you know, whoever. So. And you'll still be Ida Codpiece. You play a video game. I, I, we've had that come up on the show so many times, right, Zach? I had a cod yeah. piece. Everyone's always saying that <laughs> all the time. Actually, so I think this will actually surprise Jay. Um, Jay and I have become really close, and we're and we, you know, really good friends. But uh, um, I'm a little bit younger than you guys. I'm 31, oh, but uh, I fucking love Kiss. <laughs> like, you know, not only people who really know me really well know that, but like. I like they're one of my favorite bands. So I have like all the seven, most of the records on vinyl sitting right down next to me. So right. I'm 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 right there with you. I love Kiss. So yeah, I've got the the Kissology DVD collection, and every once in a while it's nice to just throw in something from the 70s and yeah. see them in their heyday and their prime, you know, and wonder just how wasted Fraley was when he was up there playing Shock Me or whatever, you know. I just yeah, re reading his autobiography is pretty interesting. It was. He really kind of he culped to a lot of his a lot of his demons and stuff, you know, and and said a lot about what he did and where he made his mistakes, which is the complete opposite. If you read any of the Simmons biographies or whatever you want to call them, really cops to his to his flaws. Um, and I, when I learned about what happened during the filming of Detroit Rock City, uh, that really you know that really was sort of the final nail in the coffin for me and the what I call the most expensive cover band in the world. So, um, you know, you bring a guy's daughter out and tell her she's going to be in a movie and then cut her scene, yeah. that's, just, that's just low budget, you know, and yeah. to do that. I saw them a couple years ago, and they're definitely become just like cover band. So, yeah. but anyway, I got free tickets, so. But, oh, uh, you but, uh. So you just re you just released uh, the last book as as recording this. This is going to air a little bit later, but uh, uh, yesterday was Halloween, and you released the last book in your Dead series. Um, so that's got to be kind of crazy and you know scary and emotional and all kinds of stuff for you. So you want to talk a little bit about that? It was very daunting. Um, one of my biggest concerns okay. as a writer was 
doing to people what the finales of The Sopranos and Lost did to its fans, and that is to have them reach that point and go, are you serious? I mean, is that what you're going to do? Like I said, if she's not being paid attention to, you hear her in the background, she's got a lot to say. But anyway, it just, I wanted to make sure that they got to book 12 and felt like it was worth the trip, you know? So there was, there's that aspect of it. And also, you know, if they get to book 12 and are disappointed, they're not going to look for other titles by me anytime in the near future, <laughs> you know? And so there's that aspect of it. Also, I mean, to put no blunt point on this at all, that was my income. I mean, that's, that's where I, that was what allowed me to quit my day job, is, you know, what comes out. When Dead releases, the new Dead will come out, and it'll sell a thousand copies in the first month. When a new That Ghoul Ava book comes out, it sells 30. So, <laughs> financially, huge difference, you know, and the Snapshot books are debuting to between 100 to 200 on their first month. So again, it's a huge financial difference. Um, so there's that. You know, you, I've got to step up my game and hope that something else catches because this is what I do for a living. You know, I mean, there's I don't have a you know a day job. This is my day job. Uh, so there's so there's that. You know, I mean, I've got. I've got a mortgage and a car payment and all this other stuff. And granted, I'm married to somebody that's got two master's degrees and works as an accountant, and she does fine. But I still need to make sure that I'm doing my bit, you know, and to to be taking care of my family. And if you know, if an emergency comes up, to be able to provide. Um, and it's just so. There's that. It's a scary thing to have something that has been your source of income sort of dry up, you know, I mean, so there's a, there is a scare factor to it, because you're wondering what's going to happen next, you know, and I can't predict the future, I have no idea if anything else I write is going to catch, I have no idea if Ava is eventually going to take off, which is my hope, but, you know, so there's that, but for me the biggest part writing it was knowing that this is this is the last taste, you know. This is the final bite somebody's going to take of something, and if it's sour or bitter and leaves them feeling awful, um, they're not going to come back. So I, I needed to make sure that the resolutions were good. Now, granted, that said, one of the things that I'm most known for is not being afraid to kill people uh, that are main characters. I have. One of, I've had people email me and say, I'm done. You know, when a certain character gets offed, uh, there is a death in book seven, I believe, that probably cost me a good chunk, according to emails, uh, of the followers that I had. You know, they were like, I'm not reading anymore. I can't go any further. You, I just can't. And then there's another one in book ten that... Uh, People were like, "Are you are you kidding me? Really, this guy? You, really?" So, you know, I still went with the fact that, you know, I can't give roses and unicorns to everybody at the end. Some of them are not going to have good endings, but I think I found a good balance. You know, I had enough storylines to work with, especially with the vignettes, that um, I was able to, you know, give some good 
happy endings to some, and some not so happy but satisfying endings to others. Because that's the other thing is if 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 somebody you follow for a while is going to go down, they need to at least go down in a blaze of glory or or something big. It needs to be a an epic ending, not just uh, you know. And they were overwhelmed and eaten and torn apart. You know, and that's that's not going to work. So, so you don't mean um, one Joby song. You mean they go down with dignity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and, and I actually had one of my beta readers drop during the during the process. She sent me a very long, very detailed, very pleasant email that said, "I have to come off your list because a I cannot provide feedback to something that I'm not ready to read." I'm not ready for the story to be over, and I'm too emotionally invested in some of these people, and I'm afraid of what's going to happen, and I don't want to say goodbye yet. So I need to come off your. And to me, that was like, to me, that was the highest compliment I could get. You know, to somebody, for somebody to be so invested in a character that they can't go on, um, that they they can't look because they're afraid of what's going to happen. To me, that means I've done my job because it's not just words on paper. These things, these people that I created came to life, which that still blows me away. I mean, I, I do. I still get just floored by the idea that something I put down on paper can have such an impact. You know, um, some of the emails that I've received over the years that I've kept uh, along those lines, when people have read a certain scene, uh, they just, I go back and I look at those if I'm kind of having a bum day and remind myself, you know, these are the people you're writing for, and look what you've done. You know, when when I sit there and go, eh, maybe it's just maybe it's not working, and then I have all these reminders of no, it has worked, and it's worked in a big way. So, you know, and, and to have a beta reader drop out um, because they were too emotionally invested, to me, I was just I was floored, and I actually got in touch with her and said, hey, don't worry about it, because she was like, I hope I'm not off your list, because I really want to beta read your Ava books, and I'm real excited about it, but I just, I'm not ready for Dead to be over yet, and I can't do this. I don't know if I'll read the book for another year, because I'm just not ready, and I was like, that's fine, you know, and, and it made me feel good, you know, I because mean, at first, you know, I look at it, and I get this letter that says... I hate to say this, but I need you to take me off your beta list. And I'm like, oh, mother of God, what now? You know, what 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 horrors come back to haunt me today? You know, and then then I read the whole thing. I'm like, oh, okay, I can handle that. <laughs> That's good stuff. So you know, and so we've talked back and forth a couple of times, and I've emailed her, and she's actually going to be a guest on my on my blog. She's written a guest post to coincide with the release of Dead that uh, I'm featuring on Monday. So it works out. Jay, Jay. Oh, that's, wow, that's, that's awesome. awesome. That's, that's a problem awesome. problem to have. <laughs> it, 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 it does, you know, it does help you validate. Because there's times where I don't actually feel like I'm an author or a writer. So I just, you know, I, I just, I don't get all caught up in it. And, I mean, I've met people in public and at conventions and stuff and had them kind of weird out on me. And then I have to ask my wife why they're acting weird. And she's like, uh... Because they're fans, and I'm like, really? I had a fan come over last year. Uh, Vix came over last year. Her and her husband came over from England, and so we invited them over. They came for the World Horror Convention. We had them over for a barbecue. Took them up to Mount Hood. Took them to the coast, and then her and her husband. Her husband's so cool, you know. He's just this old Scotsman, 
just kind of plops down on the couch and he's sipping a beer and we're just talking and Vix is over in the corner of my living room not speaking. And I'm like, you haven't talked in like forever. What's up? And she goes, I'm in your bloody house. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I invited you. And she goes, nope, you don't get it. It's, what if Stephen King invited you over for a barbecue? I said, whoa, well, that's, that's different. She goes, but not to me. And I was like, okay. So, you know, there are people that even when you just think, I'm just this little indie writer, you know, I mean, I, I, I do well enough to take care of my family and to pay the bills, but, you know, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no king, I'm no coons. That's, that's just, you know, those guys are legends, you know, and they're, they're going to go down in history as some of the most, you know, influential writers of our generation, for, at least for the horror people. Maybe not for the mainstream literary types that are snobs, but for the normal people, those, those guys are legends and heroes. And to get those kind of comparisons, I don't ever see it, you know. And so when people act weird, I'm like, if you want to have this whole thing demystified, come watch when I'm cleaning up around the bottom of the birdcage, you know. That's some sexy stuff right there, you know. Me down there with a scrubby, taking care of two-day-old bird droppings, that's, that's sexy, you know. So, you know, and that's the me I know. I mean, that's just... I just don't get, like I said, caught up in it. And when people do, it always surprises me. You know, when they act different or act strange or act like they met somebody, you know. I'm like, no, just normal, <laughs> you know. There's nothing exciting going on here. So we've just got a couple more minutes here. Um, and uh, I was just, so you, with the Dead series gone, I know you kind of mentioned you know, other series and stuff, so what's kind of the next thing you got in line? Well, uh, I've brought her name up a couple of times. I have That Ghoul Ava, which mm -hmm. is a horror comedy series uh, set in Portland. Ava is a waitress. She commits suicide and wakes up to discover that she's a ghoul. She eats the dead, not the living. And she finds out that this whole supernatural world that you've been reading about is real. And but 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 just not public. Um, and so she's, you know, there's a lot of one-liners. I'm sort of influenced by the TV show Psych in the brand of humor that I'm trying to bring in to, to Ava. Uh, there's a lot of 80s references. Every title of every chapter is an 80s song title. So that becomes challenging after a while, I can tell you. Um, but so, so there's Ava, and she's just starting to get legs now, and, and I'm feeling pretty good about where she's going to go next year. Also, for the Dead fans, back when I was on about book 9 or 10 and I knew the series was winding up, I also knew that I was not going to write a book 13. I'm not going to be the guy that ends this series, tries something else, and says, well, I'm not making the money that I was making, so I'm going to write book 13. Because I know people that have done that, and I'm not going to do that to my readers. They, they saw resolution in book 12. They saw an ending. Now, I've got a spinoff called Dead Snapshot you know, insert whatever town. And what I did is I just asked people, I said, if I took the world I created in Dead and brought it to your town, would there be any interest? Normally, if I make a post, you know, through social media, if I see four or five responses, that's, hey, yay. I got a lot of, a lot of, 240 people later, I had to say, okay, stop. I'm not going to write that many books. No matter how prolific I might try to be, I, I'm not going to do that many towns. So I've got a nice, 
group of towns, and I keep getting other towns repeated. There's so there's a lot of interest in certain areas. Um, I did Portland first since that's where I'm at. Uh, I did Leeds, England second because I've got a really strong contingent of readers and fans over there in the UK, and so I wanted to sort of you know reward them for that by featuring something in their town. I had two beta readers that were in the Leeds area that were able to help me with um, phrasing and vocabulary. Like, for instance, I'd use the word bum when they ran into some guys in a park. They don't use the word bum over there. They use a term, uh, scratter is one of the words that they use. So I, I learned a new word. Um, but I got to learn a few things about what they keep in their pantry, you know, because we know what's in our cupboards. It's not the same as what they have in theirs. And so I got to sort of get educated and make it authentic. And it, I think it's, I really believe that Dead Snapshot Leads England is probably some of my best writing. If somebody wanted to take a book and start with that book, I would say that's the one because it'll give you a taste of the dead world. You don't need to have read the dead series to read the snapshot books. And it's an open and closed. By the end of the book, it's over. So it's a one-time shot, and you get to sort of sort of experience the dead world. Uh, Liberty, South Carolina is next on my list. Um, and then I'll go overseas again. I haven't totally nailed it down yet, but I'll go overseas again after that. Um, I'm thinking Japan, uh, Tokyo might be next, because they go down fast in my mythology, and I want to kind of show that, uh, how fast Japan falls. Um, so that'll be one of those gloomy books where there's no hope because nobody's going to survive, you know. I'm, I've already decided when I write Japan, everybody dies, you know. I hope you love this guy. He's not going to survive. He's going to die. Everybody dies at the end. So that's Japan. Um, but it's, uh, those are the two features. The, the Dead Snapshot spinoff and the Vakuleva books are really my features. Um, and then I'll be doing some studio production work and some voice talent stuff. But my biggest focus will be on Ava first and the Dead Snapshot series second. So I hope to have three or four Avas come out this year and two or three snapshots come out in 2016. So that's kind of my, that's sort of where my brain's at this year. Cool. cool. Awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> well, great, man. Well, uh, well, look, we really appreciate having you on. Um, you want to tell everyone kind of the best place on the web they can find you? The best place I finally broke down and got a website, so they can go to authortwbrown.com. Um, I finally finally have a site. And if all else fails, just go to Amazon. If you type in T.W. Brown on Amazon, you get a list. And if you get a list, then you get some of the stuff that I was uh, fortunate to be included with, with uh, Mr. Thorne over here, who uh, brought me into a couple of his big collections, as well as the Black, the Black Thing experiment, which was a thrill. For me, I just I've, I've said it to you through emails, and I get to finally tell you directly. That was so far out of my comfort zone as a writer, and I had such a good time writing it um, that I just I, I was really afraid that I was going to be a disappointment. And I, but I really enjoyed the experience, and I have my book tracks version on my tablet, so uh, uh, I might be experimenting with some of my own titles, and I. Now, following Thorne is one of my featured authors to follow on book track, so I can pull his titles over and uh, you know experience something new, which I think that's what we're always looking for is a new experience that makes us want to read some more. 
Thanks, man. It was it was an, an honor and a privilege to have you as part of that. It was fantastic. And we'll have uh, we'll we'll be sure we have links to all that stuff in the show notes. We'll have a link to your Amazon page and your website, and uh, and book track and all that good stuff. So, well, listen, man, we really appreciate you having on and bringing your friends along and talking some kiss and some zombies and uh, yeah. So for T.W. Brown, I'm Zach Bohannon. Jay, thank you as always, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Horror Writers Podcast. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's show, please feel free to leave us a comment. Subscribe on iTunes and on YouTube. If you like us, please leave us a review on iTunes. The Horror Writers Podcast can be found on the web at thehorrorwriterspodcast.com. All graphics provided by Johnny Diggs at diggscreative.com. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode.